0: Hi, welcome to Storytime with Seth Rogen. This week's episode, the crappiest place on earth.
1: When I was growing up, there were no such thing as like nut allergies. Kids just ate whatever they wanted. It was fine. I would come home from school. I would chug milk out of the container and then follow it up with like a two liter bottle of Pepsi. You're hearing the voice of my good friend, Paul Shear. I remember I was mixing milk and pepsi because i saw it on laverne and Shirley one time wait what i was a kid of tv so whatever i saw on tv i was like i need to do that and i remember like on laverne and Shirley, i think lenny or squiggy put pepsi in milk and they mixed it up and i'm sure it was telling the audience
0: this is disgusting the joke was that they're idiots yes right and my thing was like oh i have to do that too and you're also someone like me i think who really loves food Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. You would just be drinking your Coke and milk and, and you'd be happy as a <laughs> clam. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Shear is a writer, director, comedian, producer, podcaster, actor, who I've known for probably around 14 years. I first saw Paul in Human Giant. I've personally worked with him uh, on the film The Disaster Artist and the show The League. Paul, honestly is one of the truly nicest, kindest, and most wonderful people I've ever met. And that is saying a lot for someone who works in professional comedy. Performing with Paul is like witnessing comedic altruism. Few people are more giving and supportive while simultaneously stealing the scene than Paul Shear is. And perhaps one of the most generous gifts that Paul gives to his fellow performers and the audience is his willingness to dive into the deep, dark well that is his own upbringing. For laughter. He shares details about his formative years that feel so private, you almost can't believe he's saying it, and the content matter is so harrowing at times, that even if you wrap your head around the fact that he is in fact saying this shit on stage, the notion that he has enough perspective on it to understand exactly what's just so fucking funny about it, is nothing short of a marvel. So, I wondered, how did Paul Shear get to be this way? What happened to him as a young man that armed him with the ability to plunge so deeply into the depths of his childhood and produce something that is so joyous? The story you're about to hear made me understand where this came from, and it made me understand Paul Shear himself a lot more, both inside and out.
2: Story time.
0: Young Paul's parents were divorced And like a lot of divorced fathers Paul's dad Bill wanted to make Whatever time he spent with Paul As fun as humanly possible
1: Yeah because my parents were divorced And my dad um, My dad was like the fun time guy In the sense of The weekends are spent with my dad He is a lot of fun He's adventurous My dad was and still is like my buddy,
0: they had a tradition where every year Bill would take Paul to Disney World.
1: I took him
3: down there the first time when he was 6. We fell in love with it and we've probably been there seven or eight times together.
0: And this year, when Paul was 9, it was no different.
3: And we had planned like this 4-day getaway to go to Disney.
0: And I was
1: so excited to go to Walt Disney World. <laughs>
0: Week before the trip, something happened. I got very, very sick.
1: And you know, there's certain sicknesses that you can kind of look at and be like, "Oh, right, that was a bad one." Like, yeah. you know, there's like normal ones, and there's like, "Oh, I got really sick here. That was super painful. Like, my stomach was really hurting. Like, I, and I was puking, and
0: I don't really puke, and it was just not a pretty picture." And like many sick kids who have something cool and fun that they are looking forward to, you got a real needle to thread.
1: The trip is on Saturday and I got sick on like a Monday or Tuesday. like and my mind was must get better because yeah. I can't I can't afford this to go away.
2: Got a new job.
1: And I remember there's a lot of debate about
0: can he go? Can he not? I
2: we'll never meet Mickey Mouse.
0: The pressure was on Bill as well.
3: You know, I'm the divorced dad taking my child away from his mother with possible illness and bad weather.
0: Bill really wanted to show his son that even though his parents were divorced, he could have happy, meaningful memories with them. Like, I talked to my mom about
1: this later in life, and I was like, you know, we never did anything fun together. And she's like, well, she's like, I kind of left that to your dad. I felt like your dad should have the fun stuff, and I did the parents stuff. I was like, what an odd way to, like, wound yourself to be like, I won't do the fun <laughs> thing with a- my child.
0: Um, and just so you know, uh, uh, going just from Paul's perspective in this moment, he's super like very excited for the trip. He loves going to Disneyland with yeah. you. It's the highlight of his year. He's feeling a little under yep. the weather and he's trying not to let you know that too much because he's afraid that if you know that he's not feeling well. I would, I would yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> I get it, I get it. Yeah, no, and I uh, believe me, I, I could see where he would do that. Yeah. Because it was a very special thing. I, uh, for some reason, I think... His mother had some plans that weekend, so it was okay because <clears throat> it wasn't a matter of he was choosing me over, over, <laughs> over doing some with his mom. Yeah.
1: So it was, it was really exciting for him, I know. Uh, I will say that I got very, very sick. Um, and then it just went away.
2: Come be together and please-
0: As mysteriously as the illness set in, it lifted and allowed young Paul to go on this trip. He was fucking psyched.
1: I'm thrilled to go on this trip because it's like Vegas for kids. Your snack is like a sugar covered churro. And then you're having like a lunch. There's dessert with your lunch. And then you're going, it's a weird zone where like everything has shifted towards you. What do you want? What do you want? Do you want want?
0: Now, I'm just gonna say here, I think Disney is like a drug for children, and that is why they like it so much. It is the most hallucinogenic, trippy, drug-like experience a child can have without actually giving a child drugs, which I'm told we should not be doing. But it's like their rules of reality are fucking broken. They're interacting with imaginary characters, they're eating ice cream as a palate cleanser between meals of fennel cake and fried chicken. Everywhere they turn is another parade and a firework show. It just doesn't feel real. In fact, what it feels like is doing fucking drugs.
1: And then the parents, they're going crazy because they're like, this needs to be the best vacation.
0: We need to get in. My dad was the same way with me and my sister. Whenever we took trips to Disneyland, he would drag us in by our hands, run around straight to the newest ride that opened. We'd go to the back of the park and work our way forward. We had to get there around eight so that you could be at the front of the line. Ladies and gentlemen, my parents. The goal was to get to the ride as soon as possible. So as soon as they lowered the rope, we ran to mm-hmm. run it. We,
2: we ran, to run, run. Of, we course, ran. So of course. Of course. We, we had to, to be it. first in line. And we
0: got to go on all the rides. And more than once. More than once. And yeah. rarely did okay, we... we were uh, exhausted. There is such high pressure to have a good time at Disneyland. And there's one simple reason why.
3: Happiest place in the world.
1: I remember, like, my dad looking in the newspaper, and it would be like, Delta, flights to Orlando, $65. Like, we weren't a super wealthy family, so it wasn't like my mom, my dad, me, and another brother. It was just, like, the two of us.
0: Paul and Bill leave Long Island and get to the magical land of Orlando, Florida. And they didn't have just any accommodations waiting for them when they got there.
1: The place they were staying was
0: very special.
1: My dad had gotten us this awesome hotel that I thought was very fancy, where in the morning, like, these geese or swan uh, come out of an elevator. A glass elevator, like in the Mel Brooks uh, movie, you know, High Anxiety. Of course. They walk down, like, a red carpet, and then they get into some sort of pool or (laughs) basin, like, in the middle of the hotel lobby.
0: It's like a fountain, I think.
1: (laughs) Yes, Yes. a (laughs) fountain, yes. And and then every day at 5 o'clock, they are, uh, you know, rounded up. They go back down the red carpet, go in the elevator, and go to wherever they live in the hotel. And that, to me, was so cool. I remember, like, my dad and I, we got to we got to be down in the lobby at five to watch these geese go back to their rooms, you know? <laughs> but that, to me, was, like, the height of fancy. I mean, I've been to a lot of hotels. I've never seen uh, animals in an elevator. <laughs>
0: so Paul's in heaven. He's with his dad geese roaming the halls of this hotel, escorted by the most fancy of guard. He has a day of roller coasters and rides ahead of him, the child's equivalent of a fucking shroom trip, but there's something nagging at him.
1: I'm a little bit nervous because I'm probably at 75%, but I'm pushing my outward appearance to 100% because I needed to go on this trip. Yeah. I needed to be there. And, you know, it was like, and we had all these, like, maps and systems and ways that we were going to hit these things. And you would almost plan it out, like, okay, at 1230, then we're going to eat at the Picos Bill Cafe. And because it was just, like, me and him, we stayed up late, we watched movies, we did all this cool stuff. So I I am pushing through.
2: I love some ice
3: cream. You're looking for me? Pinky Mouse, is that
1: you? <laughs> you can taste the magic of
2: Disney frozen treats.
1: This is the first year that Walt Disney World has released an ice cream bar in the shape of Mickey's head.
0: Okay, so I it's a it it's a
1: vanilla ice cream bar, but it, it is dipped in chocolate. Dipped in chocolate, yeah. And I was eating it. And my dad was videotaping me. These are the moments that you can't forget. Me eating an ice cream cone, and probably was the first time I'm eating ice cream since I get originally sick. Uh, you know, because I'm like, okay, my stomach is back. I can you know I can go do this again. And and uh, what better way to bring it back in than this ice cream bar? Again.
0: Paul was in heaven.
1: I remember eating this ice cream cone, and as I'm eating it, my dad, I think, is narrating, like,
0: oh no! <laughs> oh, you're eating my ear, help! For Paul and his dad having a good time.
3: We were having a ball. Oh no! He had milkshakes. Oh, you're eating my ear. He was having the Dole whip.
1: We're creating bits. We were at Epcot. I'm getting more and more uncomfortable. He had
3: milkshakes, the Dole Whip.
1: Bent over a little bit. That that kind of cramping, riding out of contraction almost. And I remember saying to my dad, "Can can we go back to the hotel?
3: milkshakes, the Dole Whip.
1: That's right.
0: Back to the hotel on the trip he'd been looking forward to all year at the happiest place on earth. Happiest place in the world. Something was fucked up.
3: We did. We did leave the park during the day, but we thought maybe it was just
0: nothing much. Leaving the park in the middle of the day is a huge deal. It meant something was severely wrong. As a kid, you'd never want to miss out on one millisecond of Disney fun. And for the parents, so much planning and money has gone into creating this unforgettable experience for your children. The last thing you'd want to do is sit in the hotel while the fun meter winds down. Apparently, one time I actually got food poisoning at Disney. And this was my parents' reaction to the question, did we leave the park?
2: You don't leave the park.
3: Like in the middle of the day, you don't leave. It's cause we would just buy a one day ticket.
0: Right. We didn't wait right. buy... We didn't have a lot of money in those right. days. We, so, we only had yeah.
3: enough for one day. Yeah, and we was went one day. Yeah.
0: We didn't leave. No, no of course not.
3: We stayed.
0: Yeah. When you wanted to relax, you went to a small world.
1: And so my dad was like, let's order something into the room.
0: Nothing a little room service can't fix.
1: Pasta with red sauce, red meat sauce, like to ease my stomach.
0: Pasta with meat sauce.
1: And now I...
0: I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling good. From here on out, the story gets pretty fucking gross. So if you are currently eating pasta with meat sauce, I recommend you finish it up or just put it away before you continue listening.
2: Story time. Story time, yeah.
1: And then it's like, Someone is, like, twisted a knob, open up the fire hose, like, the hydrant is open.
2: Practically
1: perfect in every way. way, way, way. And it's like... Oh, it's no. like... Just, like, like, shrapnel all across our walls. It's a steady, strong... Stream. It's coming out jet-like, like, bra I remember the sound of it hitting the pillow.
3: He started really getting sick.
1: The bottom
0: half drops out, just shitting the bed. It's a terrible experience. So terrible, there's a whole expression about how terrible it must be. Someone once shat in their bed and had such an absolutely traumatic experience, they coined a phrase to warn others that there is nothing more fucked up in the world than shitting the bed. It's so fucked up, it should be an analogy for just the most fucked up thing that one can do. There's nothing worse than shitting the bed. Unless it's at a fancy hotel where ducks have their own escorts.
1: My dad's like... Go, go, get in the shower. I erase to the shower. And now uh, I I am cleaning myself off, but I feel good.
0: You got it out. You got it out of your system.
1: Yeah. We're done. Like, I remember the relief of that. I come back into the room. It smells, Mm -hmm. right? It definitely smells. And uh, neither bed have sheets on it. I remember him, like, taking the sheets off. And, and and wrapping it almost like a like a ball like a bundle sack that you would see like um, an old an old school a
0: bindle
2: it's a, a bindle. bindle yes yeah.
1: <laughs> so he bindles up the sheets and and kind of puts it in the corner of the room and and my dad's like okay um I'm gonna call down and get some more sheets but yet the two bindles are still in the room like I don't think my dad has figured out what to do with the bindles <laughs> my dad calls down for sheets they come and i remember my dad getting the door and i and i feel like i peeked at the woman like looking in and i'm sure that when that door opened the smell hit her as well i just remember seeing her face and so the the sheets go back on the bed i'm feeling good <laughs>
3: it got worse oh, it was not good
1: Now, more exorcist style, sitting upright, fully center on the bed. It's also on me. More marinara, all the pasta, all that. Like, when you look at it and you taste it and there's acid in it, it's, it's awful. It's one of the worst feelings. They're like, uh, oh no!
0: Paul and Bill started to worry Is this something more serious? What is happening? Do we need to be scared? And it continued. Now, I got
3: nervous because I'm thinking, well, it could be uh, food poisoning, you know? And that's what we first thought it was. That's even what his mom, when I called her, thought he was probably had food poisoning.
1: I'm realizing my dad is kind of freaking out. Paul and Bill had to act fast. We decide we are leaving this hotel now we're ghosting this hotel and it was this fear of like how do we get out and i remember like leaving under the cover
0: of night that's right terrified of facing the wrath of this hotel's duck guards paul and his dad made a stealthy escape into the night And we just booked out of that hotel. (laughs) They were on
1: the run. My dad says, we're going to go home. We're going to go home. You're sick and we have to go home.
3: Book the first available flight back to New York.
0: I get this instinct. Whenever I'm having a bad drug trip, which has been quite a few times in my life, I want to be near my own shit, my own belongings, my stuff. And if Disney is a drug, this was as close to a bad trip as a nine-year-old is going to have, without again giving them actual drugs, which I am told I should not do. Paul and Bill. Terrified. make it to the Orlando airport. Young Paul is on the flight, trying desperately not
1: to die. And my dad says to me as we get on the flight, I think you have appendicitis.
0: That's right. Appendicitis or a burst appendix. I honestly don't know the difference or if there even is a difference, but either way, shit was getting real.
1: My biggest fear as a child was, is my appendix going to burst? Like, that was... Really? Like, the big... Oh, yeah. The idea that I have a ticking time bomb in me, and if it does burst, it's going to shoot out all this poison in your body, and how do we even care? So I'm doubled over, exhausted, tired, stomach is still reverberating, we're in the air. So the stewardesses say to me, we have a surprise for you. Oh, no! Here comes this man, an older man... And he bends down, and he looks at me and goes, Hey, little boy, I hear you're feeling ill. Maybe you should see a doctor and get a pill. Or you can go to the hospital real quick, and he'll get you fixed up, lickety-split. And the guy walks away, my dad goes, That's Nipsey Russell! That's Nipsey Russell! And we call on the poet laureate Nipsey Russell. (laughs) The young people
3: are very different today, and there's one sure way to know. Kids used to ask where they came from. Now they'll tell you where you can go.
0: That's right, Nipsey Russell, a celebrity cameo in the form of the poet laureate of comedy and the namesake of the late beloved rapper, Nipsey Hussle.
3: Some of the products on television don't do what the commercials claim. I took a bath in Clorox, came out
2: looking the same. <laughs> if
3: you want to get even with your low-down friends who treated you rotten to the core, give a big party, serve nothing but beer, and lock the bathroom door. <laughs>
0: It seems that even Paul's darkest experiences were always framed somehow by comedy, film, and television. In this case, it was a chance encounter on a mile-high jet with the rhyming comic who was a fixture in American entertainment for decades.
1: We go beeline right to my doctor. My mom meets us there. And I remember, like, in the waiting room, my dad's like, Nipsey Russell, like, you know, gave Paul a rhyme on the plane. My mom's like, oh, wow, Nipsey Russell, oh, yeah. And I'm
0: like, I'm literally just balled up. The Paul, in the fetal position, his parents talking about how cool it was to meet Nipsey Russell when the doctor comes in.
1: And he's like, you don't have appendicitis. I think you might be
0: lactose intolerant. Lactose Intolerant. Boom.
1: Don't know what that is, never heard of such a thing.
3: That was not something we knew about, at
1: any rate. Oh no! Oh, you're eating my ear, help!
0: Now getting a diagnosis like this is scary for a kid, especially in the 90s when literally no one has ever heard of this shit. So what exactly did this condition mean for young Paul? and then presents the
1: worst option of all time, which is like, you can no longer drink milk or eat ice cream.
2: Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no.
0: Before we continue with Paul's story, a short explainer. What the fuck is lactose intolerance anyway? Well, lactose is the main carbohydrate found in dairy products, and lactose intolerance is the inability to digest that carbohydrate due to a deficiency of lactase, which is an enzyme that breaks down lactose into simple sugars, glucose, and galactose, which sounds like a Marvel villain. When I heard this was Paul's problem, my honest thought was, fucking sorry ass motherfucker. Dude's not making enough lactase and isn't getting his shit broken down into galactose and he's shitting himself as a result, but... It turns out all of us humans stop producing lactase after age five or so, that's right. Nobody is supposed to be drinking milk. It causes bloating and gas and diarrhea. We've been fucking conned into thinking we should be drinking that shit by big milk. Of course, back in the day when me and Paul were growing up in the eighties and nineties, Nobody knew any of this shit. Milk was near mandatory for our diets. We thought it made our bones strong. We didn't know from glucose and galactose. In fact, to wash down our Cool Ranch fucking Doritos and snack packs, many of us were mixing dairy and soft drinks. Well, not many of us, but some of us were. I'm talking about Paul. Paul Shear was. Was your first question, can I have milk? With coke
1: in it, I mean, well, that's it. It was like he's like you can only have coke now. Like, no,
0: <laughs> so he tells you this, and what is your? How does it feel?
1: It is the worst possible thing you could ever. Your life is over. Like, what do you mean? I can't eat ice cream ever again? No cheese, no dairy, no, like, so no cereal. The burrito with melted cheese on it. All those things, all those options that I could have are stripped from me. As a kid, that's the only, that's my only outlet is cheese, cheese and milk. You know, so I just remember being so upset in the car and just running like an almost like, um, an Uncle Buck, like Macaulay Culkin, John Candy, Q&A, like, can I have this? No. Can I have that? No. Have this? No. How about that? No. How about this? No. And it was so disheartening and just being, I remember going back to the couch, back home on the couch that I was sick on before I we went on vacation. Everything has been taken away from me. And I'm just, I, I remember just being like, this is it. I don't know how I'm ever gonna live. I would have to explain it all. So I felt like I was the first kid in my grouping of friends who got, uh, who had parents who divorced. So I was always explaining that. And then on top of it, I had to explain that I also couldn't have milk. And they go, like, well, why? What's going on? Yeah. And, and then, you know, and then feeling angry when someone's like, oh, I think I have that too. You don't. Only I have that. I have that.
0: Now, Paul had a problem, a serious problem. His world had been turned upside down. And where did he look for answers? the same place he always looked movies first let's drink me from my glass and you from yours
1: i guess a year or two later i had seen princess bride and in princess bride carrie elway's him and wallace sean are drinking these goblets and one has poison in it and the other one doesn't
2: <laughs> you guessed wrong who are you i'm no one to be trifled with that is all you ever need know think all that time it was shortcut that was poisoned they were both poisoned i spent the last few years building up an immunity to iocane powder
0: building up an immunity
1: that's how i'm gonna conquer lactose intolerance i'm gonna slowly poison myself with it every day until I build up a tolerance. So I go to have like a bite of cheese, a sip of milk. Cause like, if I can get stronger, if I can get past this thing, I'm stealing from Laverne and Shirley early on. And now I'm stealing from Princess Bride to build up my lactose intolerance.
0: I had an actual medical doctor, Dr. Sari. Tell me what she thought of this strategy.
1: Paul's a medical intuitive. <laughs> when I was growing up, I had to drink a glass of milk every single day at dinner. Yeah. And if I had continued that, I probably would still be able to um, drink milk and the reason is that your bacteria and your colon adjust to that are able to help you out make your symptoms more mild
0: young paul Shear had a plan to beat lactose intolerance but it did not work it did not work oh, no. The Dread Pirate Robert's coping mechanisms had failed him. But then, one day, young little Paul got a gift from the gods.
1: I remember the day when my parents came home with a a jug of lactaid milk.
0: Lactaid.
2: Only lactaid comes in milk, and in tablets, to help us digest any dairy foods. And it's natural.
0: Literal drugs for children. What a way to tie it up, Seth. Does Lactaid work?
1: oh yeah very much so i have lactate hidden all around the house i'm like lactate is like my my mafia money it's like under it's in backpacks it's in nice tables it's in my car it's in glove compartments it's in june's purse like i got it all i i got it all over the place just in case i needed
0: how did this affect paul as he got older what were the long-term effects did this experience deter paul from eating being an adventurous eater at that fuck
1: no I enjoy food, and I don't want to, I don't want to, like, limit myself. The Same way, like, I am a pescatarian for the most part, but if you tell me, like, this is the best steak you'll ever eat, I'm going to eat that steak. I'm going to eat yeah. that barbecue. I, I, will, I that. will enjoy that thing.
0: <laughs> Another thing that it, it, it did not deter your relationship with is Disney.
1: No, like, in many respects, I know how to travel to Disneyland now.
0: It didn't
3: stop its desire to go back. Having known that, we carried lactate
1: with us at all times. I mean, maybe in many ways, Disney World was the place where I could
0: accept this information. So there it is. He shits himself at Disney World and has one of the most traumatic experiences of his life there. And what does he do? He keeps going back over and over and over again. He's told that dairy will essentially poison him. But does that stop him from eating it and enjoying it? Absolutely not. Paul suffers. Paul feels pain. Paul experiences trauma and ultimately loss, but Paul still laughs at the story. And as he's laughing at the story, he lets us know that it's okay for us to laugh along with him. And maybe because of that, we can laugh at ourselves a little bit more. Thank you, Paul. So this event was so terrible, but it was... Surrounded by something joyous. If only there was a song that captured that idea that also came from the Disney canon itself. That would be some impressive podcasting.
2: (laughs) For a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way.
0: Storytime with Seth Rogen is an Earwolf production. Produced, edited, and sound designed by Richard Parks III. Our executive producer is Frida Perez. Additional production by Josh Richman, Renee Colvert, Jared O'Connell, Marcus Hom, and Marina Pais, with special thanks to Amelia Chapelo Our artwork is by Robin Richeson. The theme music is by Andy Christen's daughter. Additional music in this episode by Brett Morris. duck hotel eventually closed its employees forever changed by the experience they had there here's a former duck guard
3: Uh, they'll go back to the to the farm Um, I myself intend to retire for a second time it's been a very fast tenure but a very very rewarding one and I'm so glad I was able to do it
0: and while the duck hotel is gone Paul Shear and his lactose intolerance they thrive